Hey doggy folk, welcome back to the Bark Side of the Moon podcast. We're back with another episode and I joined again by Anne Rogers. In today's episode, we crack open the very misunderstood topic of adolescence, including what dog owners may experience when their puppy enters the stage and how to help them navigate it. We also speak about what is happening physically and mentally for the dog, as well as many other pieces of helpful info for you and your dog. So it's truly a fascinating listen and one which I know you will enjoy. Hello there. Hi. How are Back you? Again. <laughs> Back again. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for having me. How are things? Good. How are you? Good. Are you busy? Busy, busy. Yeah. As always. As always. <laughs> yeah. No complaints. Yeah. No complaints. <laughs> Not giving out at all. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, chose to come back and delve into another meaty topic. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Why not? So as we discussed on recent episodes, there's more dogs than ever nowadays, which is the main reason we decided to start doing this, right? Yeah. So, and, and one of the most commonly misunderstood topics when it comes to dogs is what we want to discuss today, which is <laughs> adolescence. All the fun. Yeah. <laughs> so now, obviously, it's a huge topic. So why we can't maybe unpack it completely in this episode alone, it'd be great to help people understand what it is, what it means to them if their dog is going through it, what it means for the dog to try and explain what the dog is going through physically and mentally. And of course, how to help people and their dogs navigate this kind of potentially tricky period. So today, let's at least try to touch on each of those things. And we can always revisit this topic in the future in future episodes and do a deeper dive into it over time. You cool with that? Yeah, perfect. Okay, so let's make it really easy now, Anne, and tell us all about what is adolescence (laughs) in 90 seconds. No, no. Oh, no pressure. (laughs) So what is adolescence? So adolescence is kind of a transition period. And even in humans, it's actually quite poorly um, studied outside of some really quite kind of limited focus on some kind of pathological stuff that happens to teenagers. Um, But now we're beginning to recognize it as actually quite an important developmental stage for people and for dogs. Mm -hmm. And so it helps the body, I suppose, transition from being a puppy or a child uh, and to becoming a more independent adult. So if you can think of, you know, puppy or a child is dependent and uh, the world is all very new to them and they are pretty defenseless and then all of a sudden you couldn't expect them to become a fully fledged adult who's independent of the world and able to look after themselves and that's what adolescence is about it's a it's a time during which the brain develops and changes the animal's abilities from this kind of dependency to becoming more independent i suppose so they grow up essentially um, and the brain is built and rebuilt in order f- to to facilitate that. In dogs, it generally starts somewhere around five-ish months of age and it levels out at around two, two and a half. We're expecting most dogs to be kind of socially mature, behaviorally mature around three years of age. Obviously, there's going to be you know, variations in that, but that's what we, that's what we're hoping for, I suppose. (laughs) So it's not, you know, decades long, like it is for human children, Um, you know, with some people still being adolescents, you know, well into their twenties or thirties. Yeah. Especially Um, for men anyway. Well, I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) Um, Well, it's, it's fact, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Yes. It's a fact. (laughs) 
I'm sure there's science to back that up. Um, for dogs, then hopefully we're kind of evening out and all that sort of stuff from about two and a half years of age. So it's it might seem like when you're in the middle of it with your 18 month old uh, dog, it probably seems like it's never going to end. But hopefully mm. it is going to end now. And I'm saying that because there are some dogs that are forever adolescence and uh i have one of those so decker is an absolute permanent adolescent he's just happy with life he loves his life oh there's just there's so much teenage stuff still and he's 10 he was 10 the other day oh my god Uh, i know yeah a decade of crazy Mm -hmm. oh my god i know yeah a whole decade so it makes everybody feel very old um um, he is the least one feeling the age actually it's everybody else (laughs) is feeling it uh, but he still has a lot of uh, adolescent stuff um, <laughs> that goes on. So that's great fun. Um, so, But for most other people, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, you're going to get there and you're going to survive this and it's only going to go on until they're about um, three years of age. Um, mm. So, yeah, for most, for the vast majority of dogs, but not for me. <laughs> so, you know, I'm lucky I like to work with adolescent dogs. I do like the crazy quite a lot. Um, yeah, so, they're lucky to work with you because you understand what's going on at well, least, you know. Yeah. So. yeah, so there's like kindred spirits for both permanent adolescents. <laughs> like maybe. she understands. Yes, yeah. finally I've met one. <laughs> <laughs> and do you, uh, do you see a difference between like the early stages of adolescence, the middle, the Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I certainly think so. And, you know, we talk about this a lot with puppies and it's probably better known with puppies that Mm. we talk a lot about kind of behavior markers. So the puppies Mm. behavior is telling us what stages of brain development they're going through. So, for example, when their eyes open, we know that their visual cortex is going to start to develop when they start to move around. The parts of the brain that control movement and balance and all of those things are starting to develop. And Mm. it's exactly the same for dogs of any age. The dog's behavior is always information. And Mm. I tend to find that, um, pet owners struggle with most with the first kind of part of adolescence kind of between six and 12 months of age and mm. um i think there's lots of reasons for that and it can be that there's it kind of can seem like there's a kind of been an abrupt change from puppyhood and all of the delight and sweetness and gorgeousness that goes with that yeah. into what can sometimes feel like an overnight change <laughs> into yeah. teenage stuff um and i definitely find for a lot of male dogs male teenagers between that kind of nine and 12 13 months there's you know they can often present with a lot more challenging behavior or behavior that people will find a lot more challenging and some Mm -hmm. of that's got to do with regular adolescent stuff so all the brain change and the growing and the teething um and those sorts of things but also they're experiencing kind of real surges in testosterone and other sex hormones and things like that that can really intensify behavior Mm-hmm. And pet owners will definitely um, often find that trickier. Um, and usually I find that most people will have the hardest time kind of between the time the puppy is or the teenager is kind of six, seven months, maybe even up to 18 months. That usually is, I'm not going to say the worst of it, but the worst mm-hmm. of it. Um, and after that, it seems to, pet owners seem to find it a little bit easier so if they can get that far even and survive that long um i think they'll be doing well they'll come out the other side of it uh, but yeah there definitely seems to be differences and there may also be differences in different types of dogs and i think there's 
differences in male dogs and female dogs um Mm -hmm. and um you know so so there will be a lot of variety and then we have to bear in mind that if a dog has gone through a lot of kind of stressful stuff in their adolescence so for example they've been rehomed um you know just that moving even if they've come from a nice place and they're going to a nice place just the moving and changing and i think that can often have uh, Mm -hmm. big impacts on the 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 pup on the adolescent and just because teenagers are way more sensitive to stress and they don't Mm. have the same equipment for dealing with it and the equipment they do have doesn't work really well Mm. um during adolescence so um i think those sorts of things can definitely impact them so adolescence will will be an experience an individual experience across different dogs you know given their genetic background the type of dog that they are whether they're male or female mm-hmm. and the sorts of experiences they've had up to that point so but mm-hmm. yeah certainly there are recognizable changes that happen over that kind of period um mm-hmm. you know with more intense and maybe less predictable stuff in that early stage and it kind of e- starts to even out as we move through uh, which is better news for everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely starting to get a little bit. E- not, I'm not going to say easy because uh, it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't want to um, easier. Easier, yeah. Let's mm. let's stick with that one. Less difficult. <laughs> <laughs> and he, like my background is in rescue. You yes. currently still work alongside. And uh, obviously, there was a trend. You know that you would see a, a large number of dogs up for rehoming yeah. are adolescent. Yeah, and you could see why when people. Like you see, you mentioned earlier on, overnight change, you would hear that a lot. Like mm. he was doing great, she was doing great. And all of a sudden she, she wouldn't come back to me. She was yeah. rubbing stuff off the counters. She was more vocal, all these kind of things. And then I can't be dealing with this and mm-hmm. the dog is, is surrendered or dumped or whatever it is. And they mm. end up in, uh, looking to be rehomed again. So you can, you can, you can, this is, this is why we want to talk about this today. So at least if people can understand what the dog mm-hmm. is going through might be a little bit more forgiving lower their expectations and actually give them yeah. the help they need to to navigate yeah, it i think so and i think you know the first thing i will say to pet owners is is that your teenager isn't trying to give you a hard time they're having <laughs> a hard time and i know that probably sounds really um <laughs> kind of silly but but i promise that is the case um you know we've all been think. there we've been yeah. <laughs> we've been adolescents and it's completely expected that teenagers would have what we would term as overreactions or kind of big feelings to stuff. And so when puppies become adolescents and move into adolescence, we tend to start to see more serious or certainly we start to notice more serious stuff. So we might see like that again, kind of spookiness and less predictable reactions. So one day they're fine with the thing and the next day it's like the most terrifying thing they've ever seen in their Mm. entire lives. Um, We might see increases in kind of separation related uh, behavior. We might see differences in resource guarding type behavior handling related to comfort um mm-hmm. it seems like it comes out of the blue but of course we know about behavior and we know that really things don't come out of the blue and i suppose mm-hmm. the thing to understand is that puppy communication systems are immature so puppies mm-hmm. aren't as good most puppies aren't as good at using those communication systems in ways that people recognize that regular pet owners recognize so as they mature they obviously get better at expressing behaviors that people are better at recognizing so for example people will say oh i've never heard my puppy growl in that situation before and it's not necessarily that the puppy was comfortable in that situation and suddenly isn't it's that the puppy is better the teenager is better at expressing that um in a recognizable way for for humans to recognize it and of course they're getting bigger and stronger and they're kind of learning about using their new bodies so we'll often see like more destructive behavior more 
boisterous behavior, more barking, more jumping, more slamming, more mouthing, all yeah. the fun things that tend to bruise people um, <laughs> a whole lot. And of course, you know, that becomes more noticeable as well, because mm. when a two kilo puppy does it, you might not kind of see a big deal. But when a 10 kilo, right, yeah. <laughs> and when a 10 kilo adolescent does it with bigger jaws and their mature jaws and their bigger body and maybe not a whole lot of coordination still, you know, they're mm. still working it out. Um, so it just becomes way more um, noticeable. But just because it's expected, and I do want people to have a kind of realistic expectation of what's coming because then it can be less of a shock and mm. you're not as worried and you're not as quick to think about, well, where is this going to go and I'm not going to be able to do it. Yeah. But just because it's expected doesn't mean that we can just ride it out because as we know, dogs mm. don't grow out of behaviours, they grow into them. So we actually no. don't want this stuff to stick so we mm. need to have good plans in place so that we can prevent it from sticking and make sure that it doesn't become more rehearsed and more established and that also helps to keep um pet owners safer and happier and more comfortable as well so just like with puppies when we're dealing with adolescents we are investing in the dog that we'll have in a couple of years time so we're playing the long game all the time and that can be yeah. hard for people you know to go oh god when is this going to happen when do i get the great dog <laughs> when does that yeah. happen and i can totally understand that you know it feels like it's never going to happen but it is it is going to happen and it's all going to work out and you're going to have a great time <laughs> <I promise. Yeah. laughs> it is going to happen <laughs> and i know i'm kind of afraid to, to ask about it because mm. i know you would want to talk about this for a long time <laughs> yeah so we'll probably do it in a different podcast but can you touch on a little bit on fear periods and you know related to adolescence yeah, so certainly fear periods are something that's talked about now. We don't have a whole lot of evidence uh, for or against this sort of thing, but certainly mm -hmm. there are times because of what's happening to the developing brain, there are times when puppies and teenage dogs are going to appear more or less sensitive to things and mm. during those periods they may be because of this increased sensitivity it may be that those experiences have longer lasting effects so mm. while there definitely is enormous great brain growth even and development obviously during puppyhood this continues through adolescence but what's really happening now is is that the puppy brain has to be rebuilt and so this is also why the stuff we do with puppies is actually so important as well is because um, connections that were made in puppyhood that haven't really been used or developed or challenged sufficiently are going to be gotten rid of mm -hmm. basically in the adolescent brain because the brain is trying to make sure everything's very efficient so it's a process referred to as neuronal pruning and the brain mm -hmm. is being remodeled and during remodeling um a lot of kind of just like we would have rerouting if you're you know if there's um roadworks on the motorway or whatever they'll send you off the bumpier path on the surface yeah. streets and the country roads and all the rest of it and that's exactly what happens in the brain as well so when the the the, the parts of the brain like the cortex which are up at the front of the brain and the top of the head those parts of the brain are you know deal with impulse control and mm -hmm. learning and emotional regulation and thinking and processing when those parts of the brain which they are being built and rebuilt, uh, remodeled during adolescence. When that's going on, messages are going to be redirected to more reactionary parts of the brain. Yeah. So the kind of the middle parts of the brain, the limbic systems and those related areas. And those more reactional kind of areas of the brain are going to produce stronger emotional responses. They are going to respond to stress 
uh, really quickly because the limbic system and those related systems are related to keeping you alive. Mm-hmm. So when the limbic system is is doing that sort of thing, messages aren't going to the cortex anyway, because if your life is in danger and the brain always thinks your life is in danger, it's terribly dramatic about this. And mm-hmm. when, it, when that's happening, it doesn't make sense that you would stand around and think. So it's more that you would react and get out of there or deal with the, the threat, deal with the challenge. And that really, you know, sums up how teenagers are some days their brain is working full cylinders and it all seems to be going well and they're able to think and process and everything else Um, and then other days there's a rerouting in place during the remodeling and everything is going to more emotional places and we can definitely see those differences or you might recognize those differences in teenage children that you've been in contact with or Mm -hmm. indeed yourself uh, because we all went through this as well (laughs) and uh, the dog's experience is going to be much more intense because it happens over a shorter period of time granted their brain doesn't have to do as much work as ours does ours is much Mm -hmm. bigger and more complicated and all the rest of it but relative to dogs it's still this is what has to be going on so you can imagine then that the the teenage dog is going to be far more sensitive to stress and have bigger responses to stress. So smaller stresses, stressors lead to bigger responses. So the big feelings about all of the things. And then you put on top of that, that they're getting bigger and stronger mm-hmm. and they're physically growing, which can lead to discomfort. They're teething, which can lead to discomfort. There are also surges in sex hormones and other endocrine changes that are happening. And that matches with brain activity as well. So everything is intensified. Um, everything is, is bigger and more dramatic and what I tend to to do once we hit the kind of five month mark I tend to be less restrictive about or certainly it's it's starts to become less predictable where I can say yeah these sort of in this sort of weeks period we might see more sensitivity or you know or less sensitivity it tends to be a little bit less predictable in adolescence then and so we just have to watch for the dog's behavior really carefully so you can have them suddenly spooking at things that they've Mm. walked by a thousand times already and never batted an eyelid and all of a sudden now this is the scary thing and actually one of the things that a lot of owners of adolescent uh, dogs report to me and just because this is relevant to you and I'm going to blame mm. you because you work for guide dogs but you know the collection <laughs> the dog shaped guide dog collection boxes in shops yes. and stuff like that oh my goodness it's like the trauma of all of the teenage dogs they're freaking out by these bloody dogs <laughs> and they're just sitting still staring it's very true it's yeah. actually part of the um, puppy tests is oh. actually that, that, that those <laughs> collection boxes are, are in there as novel objects because they oh. look so strange yeah, and the starey eyes. And yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought you were going to say that that was actually the idea. That's how you collect the funds, like that people do, people's dogs stop. So like people put money into them and no, drawing their attention to no. them. It could be. <laughs> I did. I had one puppy years ago. Um, we thought it was the, a door into a specific pet shop in, mm. in Dublin that it was very noisy and rickety and we thought this dog had the problem with the door and it turned out it was actually one of the collection boxes <laughs> inside the door. I'm not surprised at yeah. all. Oh so yeah. many owners are like and you know the guide dog thing and I'm like I do because <laughs> this is so common. Yeah, it's <laughs> um, funny one all right. Yeah. yeah so just you can bring that back to the bosses and guide dogs and they can. <laughs> I don't think they're going anywhere. No, I think I things think are changing so. but I don't think they're going to be going anywhere because they're so recognisable to people Absolutely. and they're everywhere. Yeah, so, oh my goodness. Yeah, and people are so good to donate all the time. As oh, well, yeah, you know, but, yeah, yeah. Well, you couldn't not, you see. This is the thing. There's so much attention drawn to them. But yeah, those those blooming 
<laughs> collection yeah. boxes cause a lot of trauma <laughs> for all of these oh adolescent God, that's dogs. That's so funny. I've yeah. heard it so many times. Yeah, it's it's true. It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it's such a thing. <laughs> if you have an adolescent dog or a puppy that you think has gone through a little fear period, what should they do for that period? Because they're often fairly short. It can be. And like mm. for puppies, they tend to be far shorter and more intense because everything is smaller and more intense for puppies. Yeah. Um. So but for adolescents, it can be a little bit longer. So I would say it's the same advice all the time. It's listen to the dog. So the dog is having a big reaction to the guide dog's box uh, with yeah. the two the two dogs um, that are just staring at them uh, stock still and your dog does a big you know jump back kind of curved body away you know oofing and trying mm. to get away so that's good information for you and it's perfectly reasonable for a dog to be spooked by things that are still and there is an entire area of study that looks at these things which I won't go into now because Graham will kill me um, <laughs> but we can do it in a later date later podcast <laughs> absolutely <laughs> just on still things yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, w- what I would say to you is listen to your dog your dog is saying very clearly this is a very concerning thing and I would like distance and mm. the reason we want to make sure that we're giving them distance is is because we don't want them to think the only way I can get away from the scary thing is to scare the scary thing and of course that guide yeah. dog those guide dog dogs aren't moving anywhere yeah. so that's not going to work but we don't want our adolescent practicing that moving forward and aggressing toward these things that they're Mm. worried by because we don't really want to put them in situations where they practice that approach to the world because that will become very quickly established so instead get them out of there really really quickly give them a break from that environment so you don't always have to go into that pet shop and you certainly can give them a break for at least 24 hours and sometimes doing that you Mm. can return and they'll be able to go buy it but i would say with adolescents particularly you might not be able to and you'll have an increase in spookiness behavior or you might have absolute and total refusal so like avoidance behavior they won't come back through and things like that so i would say listen to your dog give your dog space give your dog the space that they're asking for so they don't have to try and use kind of threatening or warning behavior because obviously Mm -hmm. those guy dog models aren't moving anywhere for them so it's not going to work um and so we want to give them that space so i would say listen to your dog rather than get stuck with you know oh he's around this age and he's responding to this in this way um for this period of time i would say no listen to the dog and and let's go with that first that their behavior is telling you what they're experiencing and um and what they need to do and the thing is is that by the time puppies have turned into adolescence they're a little bit older they're you know um they're they're probably not so not as cute as they were the novelty might have worn off and people Mm. can be a little bit less sensitive about it um and think oh just get over it and Mm. we're going to drag you by or whatever and you know the thing is is that that can absolutely lead to problems later on like i say with this kind of establishment of moving moving forward kind of type behavior Mm. um and threatening which is something that they become quite good at during adolescence because it's Mm. something you have to practice to become Mm. an independent adult you have to practice being able to look after yourself and defend yourself or offend um so um we don't really want them practicing that a whole lot because that's not really how we want them to deal with the world because they will look for opportunities to practice that because that's what they they should be doing in order to look after themselves in the world so you know we want to be quite careful about doing that kind of thing and putting Mm. them in those sorts of situations i suppose um Mm. and because of course you're talking about the rescue thing like a lot i'm sure a lot of those adolescent dogs that you would have dealt with with being surrendered they would be talking to you about you know spooky type behavior or aggressing you know and kind of aggressive type responses that would often Mm. you know come up right yeah yeah 
and people just didn't know what to do and they started right. to panic because family, friends, neighbors are saying, yeah. oh, if they're doing that now, yes. the dog is turning. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. And you're like, to turning. Eat you in your sleep, really? et cetera. Yeah. 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 So you can understand it. Yeah. I can absolutely understand that. And it's much easier to convince a person that that's actually what's happening because they, again, believe that this has happened out of the blue. And puppies mm. are like small children. You know, they kind of mm. think the sun shines out of you. So, yeah. you know, by, by the, but like there is a change between childhood and, and the teenage years and humans. And there is for puppies as well. Mm. Um, and it's to understand that, you know, it's just not so cool to be seen with your parents when you're a teenager. So certainly <laughs> those relationships can become more tenuous. And indeed, really... There's very little work on adolescents and dogs. There is quite a nice piece of work that looks at the similarities between um, caregiver and teenager relationships and compares that to the relationships between human teenagers and caregivers mm. and shows that relationship strength um, is absolutely something that's so important to be nurtured for teenagers. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us would have experienced that uh, with our caregivers as teenagers as well, is that definitely the relationship becomes shakier and certain things start to happen. And, and we would certainly, in the kind of notions about you know teenagers that we would certainly think of them running off and slamming doors and things like that and so these are the canine equivalents of all that i never did that of course we didn't do that we're talking about <laughs> other teenagers uh, obviously um, yeah. and uh um so the you know there's kind of canine equivalents to that if you like yeah that can yeah. happen too yeah and that's what i try and think myself it's like it was, i thought it was an awful time for most for the most part yeah yeah, yeah. Being adolescent oh it's terrible it's very confusing you're caught between being a kid and, and an adult and you're not oh, really sure where to fit in yeah and your stupid uh, body is letting you down at every turn you yeah, know uh yeah. you know it's a ridiculous time it's awful i don't know how any yeah. of us survive it <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us nicely into the next bit if you're a, an owner and you have a, a dog entering or approaching adolescence <laughs> so what may dog owners experience then while their puppy enters and goes through adolescence well, I suppose um, there's going to be a ton of those kind of emotional reaction type behaviors like that's mm -hmm. the big stuff that's driving a lot of the things that people will, um, you know, find uncomfortable here and will find difficult. Um, and that's the stuff that kind of can uh, start to break down those relationships. And I'm not saying that make it easier for the dog to be moved on, but certainly there's a kind of I suppose, a process that happens that the dog becomes harder to live with and then becomes more and more socially isolated and it becomes a thing, well, we're, we're going to have to make a decision now about where this dog goes and where mm. this dog is going to live and they end up going elsewhere. And pounds and rescues up and down the country are filled with adolescent dogs, mm. with dogs in, you know, in that kind of age group. Um, and them being moved at that stage isn't going to necessarily contribute to making them any easier to live with at the other side of it. And of course, we're seeing a kind of a backlash in relation to a lot of so-called pandemic puppies mm -hmm. where people are going back to uh, normal life now and their dogs are finding that difficult and adolescents are going to um, find it even harder, mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly because they may have not had had a complete exposure experience as young puppies given mm -hmm. lockdown and all of those things. So it's definitely a really tricky time for everybody and it's literally a can be a life-threatening time for dogs um mm. they become unwanted and then immediately their life is in danger when yeah. that happens you know of course yeah yikes yeah so that was a cheery end no no joke no, about teenagers again and laugh at that again 
No, it's true. This is what we're here to talk about. We're, we're trying to make people uh, aware of these things, you know, and um, behaviors wise, I suppose you're, you're seeing that they're they're more impulsive and uh, about certain things and better at expressing themselves and things that they do and don't like. Yeah. But simple thing like you would see an increase in things like sniffing and interest oh, in yeah. dogs and yeah. recall going backwards. Yeah. And, things like engagement and again like it's just not so cool to be seen with your parents as a teenager so you're off and you have other interests and the reinforcers that we thought were really valuable to puppies are no longer valuable (laughs) to teenagers um so we lose some of our tools particularly if we haven't established strong reinforcement history for engagement type behaviors Mm. uh, with puppies when it's actually very easy to do but people Mm. because puppies are kind of compulsive greeters and they naturally follow you around people think oh i don't need to establish a massive reinforcement history for engaging with me because i have it and Mm. i'm here to tell you that when that puppy hits about five and a half months you won't have it anymore so um in a lot of cases so we have to make sure that um we have really really solid reinforcement histories and that usually means high value food um Mm. with puppies and you have drilled those behaviors because you're going to lose some of the value um from about five and a half six months of age yeah, and people on. tend to wait mm-hmm. until the dog is chasing the other dog before mm-hmm. they start practicing recall. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, every time. <laughs> oh, please keep doing those reps when there's nothing yeah. else going on. Yeah, so exactly. that when when that happens, you've better chance of getting the dog back. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. even at that stage, they probably won't. You know, but you 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 have a better chance of getting them back. Yeah, absolutely. And keeping them safe. Pra- you know? So what I will always say is practice in the context in which you'll need behavior uh, when it's easy to do that. So when mm. you don't need to recall them, uh, mm. recall them a ton. Yeah. And reward and release. So it's recall, reward, release, like all the time. So that they yeah. get to go back to the world. Because actually in adolescence, that can often be uh, more attractive to them. The, the opportunity to go back to exploring and sniffing and taking in social information yeah. um, and increase they, they, their interest in kind of predatory pursuits also increases. Like I definitely find from around seven months, puppies are suddenly like stalking things and, yeah. you know, leaves blowing and, you know, <laughs> so, and the, of course they're going to start tracking and trailing, you know, animals and like bunnies yeah. and stuff, you know, all those sorts of interests will Super suddenly, yeah, yeah, suddenly become really interesting. And of course, the story, you can just lose your dog in like seconds. Uh, they just put their yeah. nose down and they're deaf to everything else and they're gone. Yeah, so, it's hard to get them back. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, really working on that engagement and allowing them return and, and get a lot of environmental payoff uh, through yeah. you is super important and a big part of what we would do with uh, adolescent dogs, all dogs, I'm going to say, but with adolescent dogs particularly. Mm. And it's super frustrating, obviously, when you're in the park and everyone's looking and you're calling your dog and then you're, some people will, will slip more into the kind of, you know, (laughs) urgency kind of, you know, Mm. get back here now. And I'm always trying to explain to people like you're, they're less likely to come back if they think they're, they're in trouble, obviously, you know, and you see when they, when they come back and they get reprimanded Mm. um, all the time. And that's obviously reinforcing a total wrong thing but you can again understand why people oh yeah do that of course feel that this is the way the dog needs to understand if it doesn't come back it's, it's going to be put back on lead and it's not going to get off again yeah. so why would they come back to you and yeah. the other thing that we have to bear in mind is is that shouting and calling and constantly being on the dog and not mm. allowing the dog to dog um is nagging them and <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah, it's now a verb um, <laughs> and um and who wants to hang around with somebody that's nagging you all the time so i mean mm. 
we talk about this a lot uh, in a lot of the work I do in behavior analysis. We talk a lot about this a whole lot about like people talk about teenagers uh, being like teenage children being stroppy and not wanting to come out of their room. But Mm -hmm. think of what we do when they do come out of their room. We nag them and we say, oh, thanks for joining us. Or we're, you know, and that's exactly what we kind of do to dogs as well. We like make it really unpleasant to be around us and then wonder why they don't want to be around us. Um, Getting some lovely flashbacks here. Oh, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) Uh, Don't think about it. It's just like PTSD. Don't think about it. It's not not funny, not funny. Um, But yeah, but, um, you know, there's, that's a massive part of this is, Mm. is trying to, um, improve uh, the relationship between the human and the dog. And what that really means is when we get down to bare bones of it is, is that dogs see their humans as the source of good things, not the only source of good things, but a source of good things. Mm. Um, and if we spend the time that they are closest to us with a ver- using a very, very low rate of reinforcement, when the rate of reinforcement available to them away from us, all the sniffing and the dogs and the yeah. bunnies and the things. They're really um, up against us. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, that's, the, that's the, the big issue that we that we will see or one of the big issues that we will see during adolescence because all of a sudden they have a little bit more confidence and they're more physically able to move away from you and get away from you and their brain is preparing them for independence so they're starting to go a little bit further they're starting Mm. to investigate and then they're learning well actually this is really cool and it's way cooler than what's going on over there with that slow two-legger yeah 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 yeah, yeah, exactly (laughs) Um, and and when I do you're just nagging me Um, so um, so of course they're going to go off so it all kind of it's like a perfect storm <laughs> of yeah. stuff comes it's together. It's really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Even when you know what to oh, do, yeah. it's still oh, difficult. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, I, you know, trainers still need trainers. Like, that's the yeah, thing. <laughs> we still need help. You're dogs. always learning and training. Yeah, and so are the dogs. Oh yeah. Yeah, so that so the person standing shouting the dog's name multiple times again and again and again as the dog disappears into the yeah. distance. I, I'm always trying to explain to people: just don't waste your breath with that and work always in the space like you said earlier make it easy for you and the dog initially to to drill those things yeah. and put something on cue an actual cue so that they understand what I would say a lot with adolescent stuff is, is there's actually a lot of really easy management stuff we can put in place. You don't even have to do a ton of like formal teaching or anything like that. Just mm. managing, preventing the mistakes from happening. Mm. So preventing the dog learning that in this context, there's way more fun to be had 200 meters away from my human. Yeah. So by using things like long lines and by being mm. really diligent about the sorts of activities we allow our dogs to do and making sure that our dogs still have access to doing those things, but doing those things in a safe way. So if they're on a 25 foot line, they can hunt and wander and stuff like that, but we're not in danger of losing them. We're not in yeah. danger of them getting out onto the road or or harassing uh, another person or dog or whatever, yeah. you know, or getting themselves into trouble or injured or whatever. Injured, and you still, yeah. yeah, and you still have a level of, of kind of management there and can prevent them from you know completely going AWOL um, Mm. you know which obviously has long term implications from a training point of view but can Mm. also have really you know serious implications short term as well in terms of injury or whatever Um, so like when it comes to adolescence there's a lot of management we have to do because we want to prevent them rehearsing this kind of stuff this kind of highly emotional stuff what uh, trainers often say like high arousal so-called high arousal kind of type Mm. behaviors and to prevent them being put in situations where they practice um this kind of 
you know, building these associations with everything being stressful, with everything being a big deal. So we want Mm. to have really good management in place. And that requires some good observation and some good supervision. So you have to actually be able to stand back and go, okay, wow, he's really not comfortable in this situation or he's really OTT in this situation. Mm. So I need to look at, well, what can we do to uh, manage that a little bit better? And I would say that that's probably where you put a lot of your energies. If you do good management and you provide your dog of any age, really, with outlets for their natural behavior, you know that's the effort you can put in if you put that effort in um you'll go a long way to to things running smoother for you yeah and it's it's hard of course a lot of times when people are going out uh, free running the dogs they mm. might be in groups uh, smaller groups Ugh. and, and we're going to we're going to talk about that in a, in a future episode yeah. but they're not maybe watching their dog at all until <laughs> something goes wrong so what you just said there a minute ago it's really important to be watching them and and gauging their reactions to things yeah. and it, it could be as simple as going out and spending a few euros on, on a good decent long line yeah and if your dog's not on a harness obviously they should be when it comes to to a long line a small investment and make life easier for everyone but oh, yeah. a lot of people are thinking well no he needs to learn he needs to learn to come back like yeah. now yeah how's that working for you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can like that's Absolutely. People have this notion, and we've kind of talked about this before, that they have this notion that there's kind of this obedience mindset when it comes to dogs. And the thing is, is that obedience is probably not what adolescent dogs need. I'm going to say probably not certainly the way I teach anyway it's mm. probably not what most dogs need and um, mm. that and even if you do want to put in really flashy obedience skills it's incredibly difficult to teach behaviors in the same situation where unwanted behavior happens so yeah. behavior happens under particular conditions so if mm. your dog normally ignores you in a particular context and then mm. you're suddenly going to want them to be like glued to you and focused on you in that exact same context well that's actually really hard because how long have they been rehearsing behavior in that same context that you know that's blowing you off basically mm. um and that's really well established in that context so it's going to be really difficult to teach new behavior under those same conditions um and you said something really useful there and that is the thing of like with adolescent dogs, the temptation is, is to, to prioritize trying to tire them out. So letting them run oh, around yeah. and get a lot of, you know, physical energy out. And I'm not saying that teenagers don't need outlets for activity and their energies and stuff like yeah. that, because they do. And I'm, I'm not ever going to say that like dogs do need to get a run around and they do need mm. to get to kind of, you know, get the eye out and stretch out and all that mm. kind of stuff. But teenagers don't need more crazy they can bring it themselves so you don't need to add it they have that that's that's what they bring to the table so you can go okay you've got that you know you're looking after that for yourself i'm not going to add more to that so i would say don't prioritize attempting to physically tire them out so that would the big things there that kind of contribute to difficulties with teenagers are going to be a lot of high octane dog dog play Mm. and a lot of repetitive type games like fetch type games and stuff like that so you know The goal is never physical exhaustion. The goal is behavioral wellness. And while it might give you an evening off now in the long term, this could be contributing to problems that you're going to have uh, medium and long term more so definitely. Down big time. And we mentioned it in a previous episode, you're just making them fitter and you're going to have to up and up and up and up and up. And that that might be, there actually might not be much wrong in inverted commas with the dogs but that might mm. be a reason why somebody would rehome a dog and say i can't yeah. keep up with this dog i bring mm-hmm. him for out for two hours and he comes yeah. back and he drops a tennis ball in my lap and i'm He's like still wired yeah 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 
Yeah, and unfortunately, they've gotten them to that stage themselves. Yeah, but like, I mean, that gives you an indication that that, that dog may have difficulty settling, may have difficulty recovering yeah. from excitement. And that's stuff that adolescents have difficulty with anyway. So anyway, if we yeah. add more stuff to that, we're just kind of going to make that harder hmm. for everybody. Um, and it's going to be potentially more established than as dogs age as well. So, you know, we really don't want that in adult dogs as well. And that's mm. why we prioritize, or certainly I prioritize when I'm teaching, uh, we talk a lot about roller coaster games. Mm. And roller coaster games basically mean that we still allow some crazy, but we start to put in <laughs> a wind down routine with that so that yeah. if we bring the dog up. What are we doing to facilitate them coming down? And soon yeah. that dog is going to, you know, we're priming their biological stress systems to be able to bring themselves down over time. And the easiest and best time to do that is when those systems are developing, which is during puppyhood and adolescence. So it's actually the most important thing you can kind of do for your adolescent is is input roller coaster games or, mm. or some version of that um, where we're, we're thinking about, well, we're thinking about their day because their day can be mm. a roller coaster as well. So they see you first thing in the morning. That's an up. The dog barks down the street. That's an up. And then you suddenly go out and leave them alone. And there's they're kind of left there kind of you know high with not a whole lot of of outlets for that so we have to start to think well okay they actually need help facilitate to facilitate coming down mm. and so the sorts of activities we might be talking about there will be things like sniffing might be chewing lapping um but it's unlikely mm. that an adolescent will be able to go from 100 down to zero just at the flick of a switch they actually need help coming down gradually coming down gradually yeah. coming down gradually so we still use a ton of activity and ways for them to you know use up all of that energy because they mm. do tend to have more energy and, and want to do physical stuff and that tells us that their brain needs to do that their brain needs that challenge for development but we just want to do it in a sensible way yeah and structured way and things mm. like that and i understand when you might give this advice to somebody they're like oh that doesn't sound like a lot of fun <laughs> I, I, I like doing the fun stuff with the dog yeah, you know yeah, i don't yeah. really want to teach them how to settle but yeah, I, I say to them well it won't be very fun if you don't do yeah, it really you no know, fun. <laughs> in another few months it will yeah. not be fun no so it, it's it's worthwhile and and it's all about balance right you can do yeah. all the fun stuff now that's what yeah. the whole idea of the roller coaster games or those type of games yeah bring you can still have the fun but it's always ending in a settle and they come with the on switch for and we switched on puppies so we, oh, we, yeah. we, we've got to teach them how to yeah. settle they have no clue how to do it unless we we teach them and our life our day-to-day -day life and the life that we bring our dogs into isn't the sort of life that they that their systems would actually naturally develop in. So, no, of course um, yeah. so you know, our day is a roller coaster for dogs. They're you know they're constantly yeah. up down up down up down up down over the entire day, mm. uh, with little or no involvement from us. Just us doing our normal thing. So it's actually really important to actually start to consciously think about well, how can I support them in coming yeah. up and coming down, and you know, still providing them with. Um, activity but also providing them with health uh healthy um kind of stress busting and resilience uh ways as well that's what's really important here for yeah. teenagers especially okay so what's happening physically and mentally for the dog you, you, you kind of dipped into it earlier on but mm -hmm. uh, maybe in a little with a little bit more detail if you can that'd be great yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll always go into more detail. <laughs> or a lot more detail. Oh, Here no. we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. Turn your, your, your devices off now. <laughs> no, I won't go into in, in too much detail because we have kind of touched on it already. But certainly what's happening for teenage dogs is is a lot of kind of remodeling and they're losing a lot of the things that they might have uh, connections that they might have been born with that they didn't use, the experiences that they didn't have during puppyhood. So actually 
adolescent dogs still need really careful social and environmental exposure because we actually still are kind of nurturing their brain development and making sure that they're developing their kind of attitude to the world continues to develop in a healthy kind of way um, and that's because they're more likely to experience stress in a lot of these contexts and we don't want them to have this big strong kind of stressful uh, response um, and then that be the way that their attitude is forming to the world uh, and that be a more kind of permanent um sort of fixed you know attitude or fixed kind of a set of behaviors so so really you know what's happening for them is is that this this top part of their brain because it's developing and, and some days it's just not going to be working at full steam for them they're not going to be able to control their impulses they're not going to be able to concentrate as long they're not going to be able to listen to you as long and it's not them doing anything to deliberately piss you off or manipulate you they physically do not have the brain power to do it so they are not capable of doing it and the dogs behave i know i say this all the time but the dog's behavior is information and they're telling you they're telling you that i am not able for this particular situation and it doesn't mean that it's forever and it doesn't mean that we have to throw in the towel it just means that right now they're not able for do for, for it and sometimes just mm. giving them a break from it not even actually doing anything else just giving yeah. them a break from that and letting them have 24 48 hours to 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 come down from that they mm. can recover and be brought back into that same situation and and do do well or do okay with it mm. um without just having to, to input a whole lot um but certainly listening to the the adolescent listening to the puppy is the most important thing that we can do in order to um support them and that's really what we're doing you yeah. know we're supporting them and providing that guidance for them Mm. What you said there reminded me there's just really cool studies happening in the States at the moment on the human brain that they, they see the benefits of when you're learning to insert mm -hmm. mini breaks as, yeah. as, as you're going. Mm -hmm. And it's, I, I would imagine, the same from what I've seen and what you've seen. It's the same yeah. for the dogs. We, and, and we, we do have a little bit of research yeah. on that that's looked okay. at um, after, uh, what can kind of um, help with uh, consolidating memory. Um, mm. So play after learning, rest after learning, even mm -hmm. swimming after learning for some dogs. You'd be unsurprised to hear that it was Labradors that featured in that mm -hmm. uh, particular work. Um, and so there is a little bit of work in relation to that to, uh, to cool. dogs. Um, and it definitely shows that allowing them to have the opportunity to do to rest to take a break from um, the learning situation to do other activities to experience good types of stress like play or, or, mm. or things like that uh, can actually help to consolidate memory better so to store information better and be more yeah. reliable later on so learning more efficiently uh, which is something that can be helpful for everybody. So that sounds very similar to the study I was, I was, I had read that it was almost like it was speeding up the rep as mm -hmm. if you had done more repetitions mm -hmm. of the learning just yep. by adding in some space, which yeah. sounds Handy. totally <laughs> the opposite of what you would think that would happen, yes. but like yes. amazing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So super cool. Yeah, it's kind of thing referred to as latent learning. Yeah. yeah the learning that kind of happens in the background mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when you're not actively trying to learn. Yeah. 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 Really okay. valuable stuff. Yeah, making yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. So always rest. <laughs> yeah, particularly on like training programs and things mm -hmm. like that, where there's there's um, time constraints and you're you're asked to do X, Y, and Z in a certain amount of time with with the dog. There's not always space for for yeah. um, for that given to the dogs or or, or the trainers, you know. Mm -hmm. So definitely, I, I've seen it over the years where dogs have been given breaks and come back a totally different dog, mm -hmm. yeah. where they've just yeah. been allowed to be Absolutely. a dog. 
for a yeah. little while with no, yeah. no stress nice time for stress reduction nice uh-huh. easygoing stuff and then you come back in and they're just they're, they're actually ready to accept yeah. more training whereas if there's no gap the pressure is increasing yeah. increasing all the time and it's only yeah. going to go and there way. isn't time to consolidate new information yeah. because you're dealing with and the brain has to kind of sort and store information and then you know think of time helps because overdevelopment the brain is going to have the opportunity to mature as well. So over mm. over time, um, that those opportunities are there as well. Um, mm. so if we provide a you know kind of a, a good stress type of environment, that brain is only going to develop more efficiently, um, and that dog is going to experience the world better and become a better learner and become better at, at controlling their impulses and regulating their emotional responses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, this is not a difficult uh, question to answer, of course, you know, but what can owners do to help their dogs uh, navigate Uh, adolescence? All of the things we've just said. So really good management, uh, not prioritizing, tiring them out. Uh, Mm. Those are really, really important. Uh, Building up the uh, value of the rewards that we offer. So, you know, things like surges and sex hormones, for example, can suppress Mm. appetite. So a treat that your puppy went gaga for, your adolescent might not even look at. Uh, And again, it's kind of unpredictable. I think that's one of the things that uh, adolescent dog owners find. No, not adolescent dog owners, dog owners of adolescent dogs. <laughs> uh, well, it could be ad- they could be adolescents yeah. themselves as well. Could that be. could also be possible. Um, mm. But they find it that it's the unpredictability. Like yesterday, he was all about this, and yeah. today he's not interested. Or yesterday, mm. he was totally cool with this thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was totally cool with this thing, and today he's freaking out. And I think that lack of predictability can be really difficult. And that is something that definitely. Uh, is is one of the benefits of you know over time if we just manage and give them really nice cool outlets for their dog behavior over time that certainly gets easier and i definitely find by the time dogs are about two and a half three it becomes much easier to say yes this is how he's going to respond to this situation so you can prepare better and it's a little bit easier for everybody um, but it's that unpredictability that is difficult that you know you're kind of going oh my god that was such a huge reaction they've just had what is that about yeah. um and it can be difficult to predict uh what's going to bring that on and similarly to, to human teenagers as well um, mm. and you know the individual doesn't know how to predict it either so it's no. kind of happening to them as well yeah. uh, so it's everybody's having a hard time with that that's definitely something it is very find. unpredictable it's like mm. waves you've got to ride um you know yeah. try and keep keep patient and you know if you've been doing your training with your puppy earlier on it's it's in there what you, you like you said earlier if you don't use it or they don't use yeah, it it's going to be gone it. so yeah yeah. tend to people say right that's done I'm going to move on to this now and that's done and we move on yeah. to this now but it's all about reusing and reusing these things and maintaining what you've done yeah. over time yeah. yeah and like one of the things that I you know we tend to do with teenagers is is we tend to use the label so we're not accountable so we say mm. oh well they're just a teenager yeah and the thing is that behavior happens in the environment so we need to be a little bit more sensitive to our teenagers so we're not putting them in situations where they will uh, rehearse this stuff so mm. one of the things that i have in a lot of my adolescent dog stuff is is actually about the pet owner and the trainer being accountable And saying, yeah, okay, they're a teenager, but also I've put them in this environment and it doesn't work for them. So actually that's on me. That's not on the fact that they're this particular age or whatever. Um, So we actually have to be accountable as well. Mm. Yeah, of course. Not just use it as a label to get ourselves off the hook. Yeah. Yes, they are a teenager and it is difficult, but also we're responsible for what they're exposed to for, for the most part. Yeah. Well, again, we we made the choice to yeah. add them to our lives. <laughs> yeah, so and like they them. have they have no say in where they go no. and what happens to them. So yeah. that's all on us. Yeah. So 
Yeah, and of course, it's it's made very easy, not just here, but everywhere, to give up to give to give up a dog as well. You know, so I can see why people sometimes will think, "Oh God, I don't have the time. I I can't I can't be doing dealing with this." You know, mm-hmm. but like you said, or we've been saying the whole whole time, if you're patient and give them the time and some help along the way, they will get through it. Yeah, you know? they will. Yeah, and you know, you might need a lot of support. And I'm not going to uh, vindicate anybody who doesn't feel that they're able to do this. And sometimes there are mm-hmm. safety concerns with adolescent behavior. Yeah and the dog is bigger and stronger and all the rest of it and it's not about blame and it's not about looking at well you didn't do this so you didn't do that yeah. it's you know what can you, what resources can you actually provide for the dog right now yeah. and if what you don't do think yeah, yeah if you don't think you're going to be able to provide that well that's a different thing yeah. but at the same time there is support available for you and mm. uh, getting help is absolutely the, the best thing you will do to just give you that guidance and even just to give you you know to, to let you know that you're not going crazy, that actually this is really difficult and it's not just you that mm-hmm. experiences this. We're doing a whole episode on this. I write about adolescent dogs all the time, mm-hmm. post stuff about adolescent dogs all the time because they're the bulk of the dogs that I see um, and they're the bulk of the dogs that are in danger uh, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, becoming unwanted. Um, so, you know, we really do need to focus on helping them and helping their pet owners because that's the key, obviously, to keeping those yeah. dogs safe and in their homes. Awesome. So cool. And I usually at this stage say, well, when, when should they ask for help? Just like, <laughs> right <laughs> just away. It a few times. Yeah. Like it's, and it could be at any stage. It actually could be that you ask for help with your young puppy, mm-hmm. you know, preparing exactly. for yeah, adolescence. Exactly. That's, that's, that'd be the better time yeah. to ask. Mm-hmm. But if you find yourself with an adolescent dog uh, and you're not sure if they're, if you're seeing things that this sudden change of behavior, you, you should ask for help. Yeah. I think, you know, I think one of the a good thing that has happened in dog culture in uh, here over the last couple of decades is that people do seek out puppy training nice and early. And that's yeah. a great thing. And that's a, a welcome change. But actually, that is just the start of it, mm. that your ch- your puppy has just attended like junior infants. That's all that's happened if you've done puppy <laughs> training. We're so like nowhere close to them being a fully functional companion animal, mm. um, you know, in terms of their education. So keep Just up with that stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to keep it, you actually have to build on that um on that foundation. So I would say if you have a dog within that age range, regardless of what you've done before, get help, even if it's just to get, provide you with some guidance and making sure that you're managing their behavior or you can spot difficulties that they might be having or that, you know, flags that might need to be uh kind of watched for in the future. I think it's also important to note that, you know, many more serious kind of behaviors of concern will often crop up during adolescence just like in humans where we might see kind of pathological behavior or related disorders developing and it's probably related to all of these brain changes that are happening Mm -hmm. so it's important that we don't just dismiss concerning behavior as adolescence because sometimes Mm -hmm. there can be red flags there that need to be raised because there is something potentially more serious happening so having help on the ground to guide you with that is also important so that we you know, we can have a little bit of kind of the gift of foresight and um, kind of go, OK, well, this is where this could go. So let's make sure that we have some stuff in place now to make sure that that's not happening so that you're aware of that. Um, so for all of those reasons, if you have a dog within that range, um, I think it's a good idea to get some help, uh, yeah. regardless of what else is going on. Definitely. Always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, like with uh, all of our, our previous episodes, I'll put all the information um, so that people can find the help in, in yes. the show notes for the for the show and hopefully make it easy for people to get the help. Mm-hmm. There's plenty out there. Yeah.
and never too early to ask. Never. Uh, you're always better to be prepared. Always ask. No judgment. We will help you. We will help you ourselves or we will direct you to, to resources that can help you or direct you to another trainer that can help you. There'll be no judgment, no blame. We will just hear you out and see what's the best thing to, to move forward with. Amazing. As always. <laughs> Thank you so much. Not all. Really Thanks cool. a million. We, <laughs> we were wondering how are we going to talk about this in a short space of time? But actually, yeah, that was that, that was it was uh, that was pretty cool. And and we can uh, do a more uh, deep dive into it if people would like yeah, to, to find out a little bit parts more of about that. Exactly. Yeah. But I think th- this is a good starting point for sure. Yeah. So and you'll be back, I believe, for a future episode. So looking forward to that. We will, of course. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Thanks so much, Anne. I'll talk to you again soon. Look after yourself. Bye. Bye bye bye. Thanks again so much for listening today, guys. Keep the positive feedback and suggestions coming. We love them. They mean a lot and will help shape this into a better show in the long run. We hope to have Anne back again, as well as other guests, to discuss more of your requested topics, such as preparing your dog for the arrival of a new baby, how to set your dog up for success when it comes to socialization, adding a new dog to a home which already has another resident dog in it, and much, much more. I also hope to add an additional space within the show to try and find some forever homes for dogs in need, and I'll need your guys' help to find those forever homes, so please keep listening. If you enjoy the show, Remember to please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review, and recommend it to all your friends and family to help us reach and help more people and dogs. Also, please give us a follow on Twitter at BarksidePod, and also on Instagram at BarksidePod to help grow our online community. As always, if there are topics you would like to hear us cover in future episodes, please share those with us on social media or simply mail us at BarksidePod at gmail.com, and we'll do our very best to cover those as soon as possible. Look after yourselves and your doggies. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to seeing you here again very, very soon.